Mother's Day is a day of celebration, it's a day of rejoice, it's a day of uh, thankfulness and all those other types of things, but sometimes it's tough, amen? Sometimes we're missing a loved one, Um, sometimes life isn't how we pictured it or whatever that may be, but just know that God is near to the brokenhearted. And so, and by the way, if you are hurting this morning, if today is a tough day for you, let me just tell you as your pastor, man, we love you. Right, we love you as your church, and, and we want to do a good job to coming alongside of you and, and, and loving you during that time. In 1865, William Ross Wallace wrote a poem. And a poem that's not all too familiar to people today, but there's a phrase in that poem that's fitting for today. And it's one that I bet most of us, this, this line, this phrase, I bet most, most of us are familiar with. He writes this, The hand that rocks the cradle is the hand that rules the world. This writing and this particular line praises motherhood as a strong force for change in the world. Just think about that. Just picture that. The hand that rocks the cradle is the hand that rules the world. Too often we miss the impact, even the eternal impact that a mother or a spiritual mother has on those that she raises and pours into. From the rocking to sleep all the way to preparing your child for the real world and the love that you gave during that time. And it it, it all has a lifelong impact. This morning we celebrate Mother's Day. We celebrate the ladies that are biological, foster, and adoptive moms. We celebrate even the spiritual moms. In fact, I want us to celebrate all ladies that God has used to impact each and every one of us in our lives. Amen? Man, I just tell you, man, I'm grateful for the ladies in my life and the moms and spiritual moms in my life. Whether it was through birth, through fostering, through adoption, or even through spiritual motherhood, ladies, today we say thank you. Amen? All right. Thank you for choosing life. Thank you for the joy. Thank you for struggling. Thank you for the hardships and the sacrifice. Thank you for the encouragement, the affirmation, and the love that you have given. Thank you for teaching others about Jesus and how to walk with him. Thank you for your example. Thank you to the ladies that have come alongside us and others that needed them and took on the role of a spiritual mom. I'm grateful for my mom. That's the first thing that I did this morning. They're two hours ahead, so I didn't have to worry about waking her up. Just tell my mom, I love you. Happy Mother's Day, and we'll talk to her later today. So I'm grateful for her, I'm grateful for my wife uh, as a beautiful mother to, to our kiddos and our foster kiddos. And when I say spiritual moms, let me give you a little example about what that means. When I was growing up, there was, there was a group of four women that I didn't have. I mean, I knew these women well, but I didn't know, um, I didn't know this was happening. And, and so we were growing up at our church, and we stood, stood, Jessica and I stood before our church one day as they were sending us out to, to go and pastor uh, at a church. And these four women came, and, and I remember, I was right by the drinking fountain, these four women surrounded me, and they just said, I want you to know, man, we've been intentional about pouring into you. And I'm like, okay, I see that, I see that. We've been praying that God is going to use you, and, we, and we're going to continue to do that. And so those, those are those spiritual moms that step in and, and love on us and take care of us. So thank you, moms. Thank you, ladies. In church, as a whole, we desperately need a generation of godly moms and spiritual moms that are willing to be used by God to change and help shape future generations. Amen? So church, let's be an encouragement to the ladies in our life. Let's pray for them and support them and love them. So to all of you, happy Mother's Day. All right, happy Mother's Day. You may never know the impact that you're having on lives all around you, but God is using you to change lives. 
So I got to visit and, and talk and, and, and hear from some of your kiddos, uh, just so you know. Uh, didn't get to talk to all of them or get a response from all of them, but I asked the kiddos three questions. And the questions were this, what makes mom happy, all right? What drives mom crazy or stresses her out? And what do you love about mom? You guys ready for this one? So what makes mom happy? We're going to start here because what drives her crazy are funnier. So we'll do that one next. But what, what makes mom happy? Her family makes her happy. Spending time with her kids makes her happy. When I am nice and kind to her, she is happy. If we be nice and don't sass her, she's happy. If we are good at school and play with our friends nicely... Whenever the house is clean and there is peace and quiet, good luck on that one, mom is happy. Whenever I listen, mom is happy. Cooking makes mommy happy. When I show her love you sign, that makes mommy happy. If I be calm and helpful to her, she makes me treats and then she's happy. When my brother and I are nice to each other, she's happy. What drives my mom crazy? The very first response was me. Some little person said, me. I drive my mom crazy. A messy house drives my mom crazy or stresses her out. My mom is driven crazy or stressed out when I make bad jokes. All right? (laughs) My mom is driven crazy if we bite her or be bad. All right? No, wait, wait for this one. My mom is driven crazy if we climb on the window and jump on her. What kind of kids do we have in here, man? I'm just saying. Whenever everyone is asking questions and she's watching a show or on a phone call, mom is stressed out. Whenever a lot of people are are asking her questions and whenever we are arguing, mom is stressed out. One just says, I don't know. I don't know what drives mom crazy. You better figure that out, whoever that is, right? (laughs) So... I'm going to say that one for last. All right. So my mom is, is driven crazy when I hit stuff. My mom is stressed out when I not be calm. She is stressed out when the house is super messy or if we are in her face a lot. And one child responded, she gets flipped out when we scream at her. So watch your language, young man or young lady, whoever that was. All right. But here's the good ones. What do you love about your mom? What I love about my mom is that she loves me and takes care of me. What I love about my mom, or what I love most, is that my mom is there for me no matter what. I love that my mom makes me sandwiches and lets me sip her water bottle. What I love about my mom is that Jesus cares about mommy and mommy cares about us. What do you love about your mom? I love to cuddle her and watch a movie with her. I love that she's nice, loving, caring, and sweet. I love that she's nice and she helps us. I love that she cooks stuff for us. You got a lot of full bellies in these kiddos, man. I love her food, what she always makes. I love hugs from her. (laughs) I love that she loves me. And I love that she birthed me. And that she makes amazing food. So, there you go, moms. You are happy, you are driven crazy, you flipped out apparently, and you are well loved, so way to go. All right. Before we dive into God's Word today, I have a question for 
for moms this morning, for ladies, but really this is a question for each of us in this room. That's the challenge about Mother's Day or Father's Day or any kind of special day is how do we, how do we approach a text in a way that honors moms but then also we all can, can learn from. So this is a question, moms, do you know, ladies, everybody here, do you know that God loves you? Right? Do you know that God loves you? Do you know the depth of God's love for you? Here's kind of these questions that go along with that to support that question. Do you know that he created you to have a personal relationship with him? Do you know he took the time to give you life and knit you together in your mother's womb? Do you know that you are fearfully and wonderfully made? Do you know that he knows everything about you? Do you know that Jesus came for you to save you from your sins? Do you know that he came to seek and to save you? Right? And that he died for you and rose again for you. Do you know that he has a new life available for you? Do you know that God loves you? This isn't just corporately. He loves us corporately, but he loves you personally. God loves you personally. In our hands, we hold the word of God. Amen? We've got the word of God in our hands or on our phones or wherever it is that we have them. And it's full of words that, that talk about our relationship with God. It shows us and tells us how much we mean to him, how great and powerful he is. It lays out what our relationship with him should look like. It tells us of his love for us. We find passages throughout God's word that, that say that we were made in his image. There's a phrase repeated over in the Psalms that remind us that his faithful love endures forever. Deuteronomy 7, 9, know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Psalm 86, 15, but you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. How about John 3.16? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Or how about this one, Romans 5.8? God demonstrates his love. He doesn't just say, he doesn't just write it. He demonstrates his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You know how big that is? Because we don't live that way. We make sure people treat us well. We make sure that we're on good standing and then we'll love them. God died for us because of his love for us while we were still messy. Church, we need to know that we are loved. Moms, ladies, life is tough, amen? Right? Ladies, come on, let's get a resounding amen. It's tough. Do you realize, moms, ladies, that, 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 that we have a faithful God that loves you? Do we understand that as a church, that we have a faithful God that, that loves us? The question in response to all of that, we know that we, we hear, we see that God loves us. The response back is this. Do you love him? Do you love him? I'm not saying are you saved. I'm not saying you go to church. I'm not saying you turn Caleb on. I'm not saying that you do the Christian things and wear a t-shirt that says I love Jesus. I'm not saying any of those things. Do you love him? Does your life show that you love him in good times and in bad? The question first might be this. Have you received his love? Right? Have you first received his love? Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And he came because he loves us. He wants us to have a life with him. He wants to save us. And so you may be here today and say, man, I've never received the love. I've never received salvation and forgiveness from God. So maybe that's where you're at. And then if you do know him as your Lord and Savior, do you really love him? 
Do you have that intended relationship with Him? Do you have that passion for Him in your hearts? Are you satisfied completely in God? This is an important piece in our lives that we love Him. And this love isn't just manufactured or flipped on. And you, we know that. You know, you know, we, we can't just flip a switch on. I believe the way that we get that, that love for Him, that passion for Him, is by really realizing His love for us. Are you with me? We can love Him when we realize His love for us. We need to read of it. We need to sing of it. We need to take the time and pay attention and learn and focus on His love for us and really receive that love. Then we can walk away more and more in love with God, with the God that created us. First, First John 4.19 says this. It says, we love. We love because He first loved us. I love because He first loved me. Brent loves because God first loves. Are you guys with me? We love because He first loved us. So our love for Him will grow as we realize how great His love for us is. In our life, for the moms here, for all of us here, in this world where there are trying times, there's peaks, there's valleys, there's everything in between, there are, there are times when we feel we have hit rock bottom. I've talked to moms recently that feel they've hit rock bottom. Feel like you can't get ahead in life, right? You're, you're behind, you, you, can't, you, you can't ever get ahead. We must know that God loves us and acknowledge and, and when we acknowledge that, that will change our perspective in every situation, in good and bad. And we're going to see that. And I believe that we get a great picture of what our life can look like, what our relationship with God can be like, what our take on life and our perspective on, on life will be like, what our devotion and our satisfaction with God can be. And we get a picture of that in Psalm chapter 63. If you don't have a Bible, there's one at the end of your row. Please take that with you. If you don't have one or you just want another one, that's fine. That's our gift to you. But Psalm chapter 63, right in the middle of your Bible in the Old Testament. And as you're finding that in your Bible, I want us to give a little bit of background of what's happening in Psalm chapter 63. We have a man named King David. And King David is, is writing this about his time while he is in the wilderness. Now, David, he's not in a palace where he's comfortable being, right? He's not surrounded by his army where he's comfortable being and safe. He is in the wilderness, now, if you know anything about David, you've heard David, he's described in the Bible as a man after God's own, help me out church, a man after God's own heart. He was a man that had troubles and mistakes, big mistakes, right? If you've read about his life, man, it's like, thank goodness for David. We can see that we can be messed up and God still loves us. But he was a man that desired to be with God and to walk with God. And he's in the wilderness of, of Judah, and it's believed that he's there fleeing and seeking refuge away from his rebellious son named Absalom. And we're going to hear his heart as we read through this text. We're going to hear his heart during a very trying time and dangerous time in his life. And we're going to see David's love and devotion for God, even in a time of despair. But just know as we read this passage, our response should be this way whether we're in a time of despair or not. And we're going to read what seems to be the reason why David loved God so much. And we're going to see that in verse 3 where he says that God's love is better than life. So if you would, church, let's honor God and his word this morning and stand and read Psalm 63. Psalm chapter 63 and see how we can love uh, 
God and how we can live when we know who God is and how much He loves us. Psalm chapter 63. O God, You are my God. I shall seek You earnestly. My soul thirsts for you, my flesh yearns for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Thus I have seen you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. Because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. I will lift your hands, I will lift up my hands in your name. My soul is satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth offer praises with joyful lips. When I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches. For you, have been on my, for you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I sing for joy. My soul clings to you, your right hand upholds me, but those who seek my life to destroy it will go into the depths of the earth. They will be delivered over to the power of the sword, they will be a prey for foxes. But the king will rejoice in God. Whoever swears by him will glory, for the mouths of those who speak lies will be stopped. Let's pray, church. Father, we love you. We love you. And we thank you that we love because you first loved us when we did not deserve it. God, we thank you this morning for moms. We love them and we thank you for the, for, for, for the gifts you've given them. God, as we open up this word and just dive through it this morning, we ask that we would hear you clearly, clearly and then just, even in spite of my words, God, we, we pray, Lord, that you would change hearts today. And help people walk away, be encouraged, but also know what it looks to live a life where they truly love God. We ask all this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. You can be seated. Normally, we're we're walking through a series in our church throughout the book of Mark, and we're really almost doing it word by word by word, and and so we're in the midst of that, but for Mother's Day, we're taking a break, and just for today, we're not going to quite walk through this passage as we normally do, you know, detail by detail by detail, but we are going to walk through this and, 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 uh, and be faithful to the text here this morning. Mom's question for you, do you ever find yourselves in the wilderness, Right? No, none of you, okay? I guess uh, you find yourselves in the wilderness. The other day, Jessica um, had a big old smile on her face. I think it was Friday. And she's, I walked out of my office. I was studying. I walk out of my office, and she just got this big old smile on her face. And I said, what's going on? She goes, I am rocking this mom thing this morning. Right? Like she's like patting herself on the back. And you, you were, man. She, she's just knocking it out. And she was telling me how the morning was going and how things were going and how the boys were doing and, and, and how the foster kiddos were doing and all that other stuff. And she just, she repeated it. She said, I am rocking being a mom this morning. And then she followed it up with this, which I'm sure a lot of ladies, moms can relate to. I'm rocking being a mom this morning. We'll see how it goes in another 20 minutes. But for right now, I'm rocking it. Right? Right now, I'm rocking it. Now, I'm not a mom, but this is something that we hear on a regular basis. Things were great until they weren't, right? Things were great until they weren't. You could be as a peak, and then the next second, you're just down in the valley. Are you with me, ladies? Right? Boom, you're, you're there. To all of us, do we ever find ourselves in the wilderness? It's not that hard, a lot of times, to love God when we're not in the wilderness. But David's going to walk through a time where he really shows his heart. And how much he loves God and, and how, he, how he responds to God when he's in the wilderness. We find ourselves in the wilderness. You might be there right now. You might be in the wilderness right now. You, you may have been in it for a while. Maybe you see the end of the tunnel, right? The light at the end of the tunnel. Maybe it's not there yet. 
we walk through hard times. We find ourselves in tough situations, in times of hardship. Where do we turn during those times? How do we feel? How do we find our satisfaction? Because far too often when those things happen, when we're in the wilderness, when we're in the desert, we're in the valley, we shut down. We withdraw. We close off and can't move forward. Even from God. Even from God. How about in the peaks? Are we finding love and satisfaction in something else or someone else or are we finding it in God? Really, our life when we love God, we will find it in Him. David at this point is in a physical, emotional, and spiritual wilderness. But he also knows and feels the love of God. And we get to see his words and response right from the get-go in his current situation. He knows who he needs. So he begins by calling out right at the very get-go. He says, oh God, you are my God. Oh God, you are my God. Can we just recognize that this morning, right? Can we just recognize God and his place in our lives this morning? Oh God, you are my God. This is where you belong, right? Everything else is down here. Everything else is falling apart. Everything else is great. But you are still my God. Oh God, you are my God. Church, when we realize who God is and how much he loves us and put him in the proper place in our life, it changes us. And so what I want us to do this morning is really look at life, David's life in the wilderness and see how knowing God and knowing his love for us changes everything. And so the first is this, when you personally... When you realize who God is and how much he loves you, your relationship with God becomes all you need. Now, you might be looking at me and saying, why are we talking about the wilderness on Mother's Day, right? And one of the things that, I'm telling you what, this is a scary day for preachers. It really is, because it's just tough on what are we supposed to preach on and how do, how do we encourage and lift up. But here's a reality. I asked a lot of ladies and, and moms, and just the thing was, man, we just need to know what to do sometimes whenever there's nobody else encouraging us, when life is really tough, when we're in a valley. When you're in those places, whether you're at the top of the mountain or you're in the valley, when you realize who God is and how much he loves you, your relationship with God becomes all you need. The world tells you otherwise, doesn't it? It says you need all these things. But your relationship with God becomes all you need. Let's just walk through this psalm and see what David is showing us. We're going to walk through this and just, and just dissect this. He says in verse 1, God, you are my God. I shall seek you earnestly as we walk through this just think about your life in good times and bad the, the word earnestly here i seek you earnestly it has dual meaning but both are appropriate it means diligently it does mean that but the literal translation means to seek early to seek diligently and to seek early the idea is that david has an eagerness in his life to be with the lord in every situation in every time of day even first thing in the morning Side note for us, what would our days look like if we started the day with God? I think, man, it would just change your day, wouldn't it? From, from, the day, from the time the day began, David seeks God earnestly. 
He continues in verse 1. He says, My soul thirsts for you, God. My flesh yearns for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Jesus, or excuse me, David is in the Judean wilderness. It's believed that he's fleeing from his, his like son gone wild, Absalom, right? And, and we're seeing from David in both a physical and emotional and spiritual desert. And he's saying, like a person in need of a drink in the desert, David's desire for God is that intense and that vital. We look at God sometimes, we're like, okay, if I'm thirsty, maybe I'll get you, get a drink. But David is saying, man, I, I need you. Even early in the morning, my, my desire for you is that intense and that vital. Water could satisfy and restore a life that is dry and dehydrated. We've had people in our church that have had to be helped medically when they were in the desert and became dehydrated, right? We see that happen a lot in Tucson. And when you're in those moments, you're just craving that water and you just, you just need it. But, but so, so we know that, that that water can restore and satisfy life. But David also knows because he is aware of who God is and that he's loved by him that he can find that same satisfaction and restoring in his God. And so he thirsts and yearns for him. Verse 2, I have seen you in the sanctuary, God, to see your power and your glory. He is remembering his time with God in worship, and he desires that even while he's out there. He remembers that holy place, being in that holy place, and he has seen God's power and his glory. And now he's in the wilderness, unable to worship in that sanctuary, and he longs for that, just to be able to worship God. He goes on in verse 3, here's that key verse, because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips will praise you. David is literally saying, your faithful love, God, is better than life. Your faithful love is better than life. Even in the valley, even when his very life is in danger and threatened, not only by the elements, but also by an enemy, his son, he knows who God is, he knows God loves him, and he's saying, God, your true and pure and everlasting love is more valuable to me than my life itself. What a statement. What faith we see in David here at this point. He would rather have God and God's love for him than keep his own life. I'm reminded of the words that Paul says in Philippians chapter 1. Paul had been suffering, he's been persecuted, he's been arrested, he's sitting in prison. Uh, He he didn't know if he was going to ever see freedom again or if he's going to be seeing Jesus soon. And he says this in verse 21 of chapter 1. He says, for to me, he says, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Paul was saying this, if I live... If I make it out of here, I'm going to live for Christ because he's it. He's, he's my number one focus. That's who, that's who I want. That's what I want to live for. That's who I want to live for. He says, so if I live, I live for Christ. If I die, no big deal, right? Because guess what? I get to live with Christ. It was all about Jesus. It was all about God. And we see that here in David's life as well. It was all about God. Charles Spurgeon once said this years ago. He says, life is dear. Right? We know that life is dear, but God's love is dearer. I don't know if that's proper English or not, but it makes good sense. Life is dear, but God's love is dearer. To dwell with God is better than life at its best. David is saying, you are what I long for. Your love is all I need. Here's what he's saying. Here's really my paraphrase. If all I have is you and your love, God, if all I have is you and your love, that is better than life itself. 
And he says, so my lips will praise you. David keeps going as if what he hadn't already stated was enough. Like, I'm already feeling bad. Like, I've been in valleys and I didn't say any of these things, right? He says in verse 4, so I will bless you as long as I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. Right? We see sometimes when we pray, we lift our hands, or when we're singing, we lift our hands. In the Old Testament, that was a, when one lifted their hands, it was a posture of prayer, but it also showed their trust in God. So when they had their hands lifted up in the Old Testament, that's what that signified. David is saying, you and your love is better than life, but as long as I live, God, I'm going to praise you, I'm going to cry out to you in prayer, and I'm going to trust you. What a statement. I think about moms. I think about the things that I put my mom through where she wanted to rip her hair out, right? Or life is just tough. Things are going on or, you know, whatever's going on in our life. If we can just say, God, I know what's going on in my life, but but right now, as long as I live, I'm just going to praise you. I'm going to cry out to you in prayer and I'm going to trust you. What a statement to trust, to feel the love of someone so much that you just trust them with your own life. In verse 5, he describes his satisfaction in God. While even in the wilderness, he writes this, My soul is satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth offers praises with joyful lips. He's, he's you know, we've, we've been in that wilderness, right? David is in that wilderness in every way possible, and he's telling God, God, I am satisfied like if I have a full belly because I have you. I'm a mess right now, but I'm good because I have you. Whatever you choose for me, God, I'm good because I have you. That's satisfaction in God. This guy is thirsty. He's starving. He's used to a royal meal. Are you with me? Like this is like Golden Corral, but really good. You know, he's got everything he needs and people bring it to him, man. You get what I'm saying? Like he has this, this royal rich buffet banquet meal right there. And he's telling God, just like that meal satisfies me, God, Even while I'm out here starving and thirsty, I am satisfied in you. Because you, God, are that good. You are that good. And my mouth praises you. Times in the wilderness are tough. Amen, church? I think we can all amen that one. Let's just have a resounding. It's tough. It's lonely. It's tiring. It's exhausting. And we have all sorts of things that we want to say and do. But David is saying that in every situation, when we know God's love for us, our response should be that we give him praise for who he is and what he's done. Others should be able to hear our praise about him as well. And remember back in the beginning, David begins his day seeking God earnestly, right? And now in verse 6, he says this in verse 6, when I remember you on my bed. I meditate on you in the night watches, for you have been my help. Church, in his current situation, it starts early in the morning, it continues throughout the day, and still there at night, he is consumed with God and his love. I think we could say that he's addicted. Usually we look at addiction in a bad way, but I'm going to say this, man, if we're going to be addicted to anything, I don't mean this to be churchy, we should be addicted to God. So we can seek him when we rise up and when we go to bed, and when we don't have that time with him, we get that withdrawal. Right? No matter what's going on with our life, that's what David is expressing right here. In Psalm 27, David says this in another Psalm. He said, listen to this, I have asked one thing from the Lord. One thing! Like he doesn't ask for a cheeseburger, or Kansas City barbecue, or go to a baseball game, or anything like that. This is what he asked for. I have asked one thing from the Lord. It is what I desire. It is to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, gazing on the beauty of the Lord. What words 
David continually desires one overarching thing. One thing that I wish we could repeat together. I just want to be with you, God. I just want to be with you, God. Moms, God wants to be with you. He wants you to be with Him. Ladies, everybody in here, He wants you to experience Him and His love. He calls us to follow Him. He calls us to be with Him, to be at His feet. Church, we were meant to have this type of relationship with God. To really be consumed and addicted to God and His love for us. So that no matter what life throws at us, you know, if you have a, a child that throws up on you while you're trying to worship practice, you know, this morning, or if you, your car doesn't start, or whatever it is while you're trying to, my wife, I'm grateful for my wife, like, it would have been nice for me to be able to help her this morning on Mother's Day, but I'm up here early in the morning and you rocked it out, you know, I mean, when you, just think about that, no matter what life throws at you, we already have and will always have what we need. And that's God and His love. I think in our life, it's easy just to add God to our lives, to our days, than be consumed by Him and His love. We have our days and our lives, and sometimes there's a pretty good balance in that. And other times we find ourselves in a busy state, right? We, 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 we find ourselves in, in whatever state it is, and we try to find a way to add God to that mix, Maybe you're in the wilderness spiritually or emotionally or both and physically and we, and we, and we, we try to fix it. We try to, to do things on our own. We, we try to do all these other things first instead of God being what we desire first. Hear these words. Sometimes God just becomes an addition to our day. If we can find a place for him. The God that gave up everything for us. We might just be able to find a place for you in my life today, God. And let's be honest. When we just try to find a place for him, when we do it that way, sometimes we leave no room for him at all. But David is saying, God, let that not be. You are all I need. If there is room for this and that and and, and other things, that's great, God. If you're going to get me out of this mess that I'm in, that's great. But in the meantime, I have all I need. I have you, I have your love, and it is greater than life itself. And that's the great thing. If we know Jesus as our Savior, no matter what this world throws at us, he even conquers death. One day we will be in the arms of Jesus and seeing his face. Are you with me? Like he and his love are greater than anything this life could ever offer. Especially when, it's in, 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 when, when, when we're going through tough times. Man, it can be tough to remember that, that God is all we need. But he is. I think, moms, I think it's important as you do all that you do and you do a lot. Men, this is where you say amen. Let's try that again. Men, this is where you say amen. All right? Ladies, as you do all the things that God has gifted you to do, it is important, it is vital that you reflect on God and his love for you. To be the mom God wants you to be, you have to reflect on, the God, on, the, on, on God and his love for you. You have to. All of us in this room, we've got to reflect on God and his love for us. Church, when we truly realize that the God of this universe, the creator of all things, that he loves you, like he doesn't just love us collectively, he does, but he loves us personally, right? 
When we truly realize that the God of this universe truly loves you, we, 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 and we feel that, when that becomes real for us, then we begin to have that desire to be consumed by God. I mean, think about that. God, just consume me. I can't get enough of your love. We need to get obsessed with God. We can get obsessed with a lot of things, amen, right? Moms, this world throws a lot at you. The world throws a lot at all of us. The world tells you what you should do and what you should be obsessed with, how you should look, how you should act, what your kids should look like, how they should be dressed, whether they should do this or that or the other thing. I mean, just throw that crap out the window sometimes because we love a God that loves you and that's all we need and we need to be obsessed with him. Are you hearing me, moms? Man, and I want to challenge you, moms. I want to challenge the ladies. I want to, I want to challenge all of us this morning to know God more and more. And when you do, you will realize the love he has for you regardless of what others say about you. Realize the love he has for you and forget uh, uh, being obsessed with the world and, and be obsessed with God. Be obsessed with Jesus and your walk with him. And you just might get to a place where your relationship with God, no matter what else is going on, becomes all you need. Next is this. When you realize who God is and how much he loves you, your worship to God turns into endless joy. Often we look at worship as a duty or as a chore. Now, we do have a responsibility to God to worship him. Amen, church? Regardless of how we feel, we have a duty and a a responsibility to worship God because he's worthy. But when we realize how much he really loves us, it really stops being a task, doesn't it? It starts to become a delight. It turns into endless joy. Think about it this way. Today's Mother's Day, right? Husbands, if you didn't know that, it's your last chance, man. I'm just, okay? Husbands, can you imagine you get your wife and your mom and you take your wife out to lunch and you're giving her a gift for Mother's Day. And you get her a card that tells her how much she means to you and how much you love her because all that she has done as the mother of your kiddos. Right? I'm helping you men here. Yeah, just shake your head yes, it'll help you. All right. And your wife gives you... You know, you you give her this card and you take her out and you give her a gift or whatever it is that you do. And she looks at you and and she says, honey, thank you so much. This means the world to me. And you simply reply by saying, well, it's my duty. First of all, man, that will not go well for you. All right. Let's just lay that out there. But two, we shouldn't only take care of them on Mother's Day because we have to, but because they deserve it. And because we love them and because of their love for their kiddos. Amen? So when we think about a relationship with God. So in that story, it's not just about the duty. It's about because we want to. Just in case, men, that you need help. So if you need to add something to your card, I got this because you deserve it. Just I'm helping you out there. So when we think about our relationship with God and the love that he has for us, something changes. When we realize that, we begin to want to worship him. It's no longer a duty, but it becomes a joy. Right? It turns into, we get to go to church and worship together, right? We get to serve him. We get to sacrifice for him and his church. We get to praise him throughout the day. We get to sit with him and learn from him. We get to read his word and live a life in worship to him. True love is not driven by obligation. True love is driven by passion and desire. Instead of, I have to do this, it becomes, I want to do this, God. I want to worship you. And here's what we see that in David's life. David has seen the mighty works and the love of God. He's seen his power and his glory. And even in the wilderness, he still responds 
to God with a joyful attitude of praise. Remember in verse 3, he wrote this, My lips will praise you. My dry lips that don't have any water, and I'm running for my life right now, but they will praise you. In verse 4, I will bless you as long as I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. Verse 5, my mouth offers praises with joyful lips. How amazing would it be if this were the scene in our time of corporate worship each week here at Authentic Life? How amazing would it be if that were the scene in our daily lives that we just can't get enough of worshiping God? Endless joy in our life as we worship Him. People of God, let's just picture this. Just I, close your eyes or whatever you do, I don't really care, but realize this. People of God that realize who God is and how much He loves them. Followers of Jesus that know they are loved by God and worship with endless joy instead of out of duty. There's a difference. There's a difference in how you worship God. And this kind of worship will not only be glorifying to God, which it should be. David has shown us here it's going to satisfy us too. When we realize who he is and his love for us, our worship to God can bring us endless joy. And verse, or the point three. When you realize how much God loves you, make sure you hear me on this one. I'm going to, I'm going to say this. There's a change. You begin to cling to him and his love more than what you receive. Here's what I mean. We receive a whole lot from God. Amen, church? All right, let's try that again. I'm, uh, we're going to push the amen on this one, all right? So if you get anxiety from amens, I'm just going to help you out on this one, all right? We get much from God. Amen, church? All right? David has received much from God. In his grace, we have much that we don't deserve. But many times, we cling to what we receive from him more than we cling to him. I'm going to give you an illustration. Think about it this way. If you're out at sea, you've dumped over, your, boat, your boat's destroyed, and you are drowning at sea. You see a boat coming, right? You're thankful for that boat. You love that that boat is there. Then there's a lifeboat or a raft or a lifesaver that's sent out to you. And you're thankful for that lifesaver and the raft. You love that you have received that raft. But even with all of that love and gratitude for those things which are great, you forget about the captain of the boat. The captain that owns the boat, the captain that drives the boat, the captain that stocked that boat and prepared it for a rescue, the captain that brought the boat out to you and threw you the raft or the lifesaver. It is possible to miss where our love and commitment and praise belongs. To the one drowning, the love and praise can go to the things. It belongs not to the stuff, but to the captain. It's not in what, but who. The person drowning might have praises and love for those things, but they can't miss the who. They wouldn't have any of that if it wasn't for the who. And when we realize the love that God has for us, your perspective begins to change. You begin to cling to and love God more than what God gives you. Right? And we see that here throughout this whole psalm. It wasn't about the what for David. It wasn't about what he got. It was about the provider. All through this psalm, we see that it was about God. Let's not lose sight of that, church. God gives much. Amen? But our focus and our satisfaction needs to be in Him alone and not what He gives us. We need to be gracious for those things and thankful. Are you with me? We need to give God praise for those things, but we give it to Him. He's going to provide what we need. Cling 
to God and His love more than what you receive. And when you realize last, when you realize who God is and how much He loves you, your time in the wilderness can become a time of praise and devotion. Don't hear me say that this... That, that, that these times aren't hard. That life is always a piece of cake. Moms, is life a piece of cake? Right? I'm not saying that at all. David isn't saying that here. There's a real concern for David. Right? There's, there's a concern for, concern for his health, his, his safety, his own life. But God is still there. Right? David is on the run to save his own life. He's being pursued. He is in an emotional, spiritual, and physical wilderness. But David's heart still cries out in verse 11, but the king will rejoice in God. To rejoice means to be glad. He's in the desert, might not make it out, and his, his heart is rejoicing in God. He's glad in God. And then it says, everyone who swears by him will glory. In that time when they said that it swears by him, to swear by him is not something to take lightly or to take in vain. What David is doing here and what he is saying is he's expressing his loyalty to the one and true only God. Are you with me? The one and only true God. Everyone who swears by him will be glory. And when you swear by him, you're giving your loyalty and pledging your loyalty to the one and only true God. He's all we need. Moms, he's all you need. Husbands, that doesn't take you off. Kids, that doesn't take you out of the hot seat. Get your tushies off the couch and serve. Amen? I heard one man there. Most of them were ladies. That doesn't take away from our responsibility to help them. But ladies, moms, this morning, know that God loves you, right? And he's all you need. And one day, regardless of how easy or tough life is, if you know Jesus as your Savior, you will be in glory with Him with no more tears and no more pain and no more vomit, no more food on you and no more poop on your hands and no more dirty diapers and no more suffering and all those other things that moms go through. I know there are people in this room, I I, I know personally there are people in this room that are currently in the wilderness. It might be physical, it may be emotional or spiritual. Moms, we know there are times when you have been in the wilderness. You may be there now. The wilderness is real. It is tough. It is lonely. It is frustrating. All of us walk through that, right? And we as a church, we need to love on one another during those times. The Bible says that we rejoice with one another and we suffer with one another. Sometimes we're good at the rejoicing part, but we're really bad at the suffering. I'm not saying us, I'm just saying in general as, as, as believers. We need to love on one another during those times and serve one another. But David is showing us here, here in God's word, that God's love is bigger than your deepest valley, your hottest desert, and your driest wilderness. In life struggle, David is running for his life. He's in the midst of hardship. He looks up to God. He sees his unfailing love and knows that God is all he needs. No matter what happens in David's life, he knows that God is bigger than all of that, bigger than all the trials. Church, God's love out last all the worldly pleasures it it, it, his his love and he will still be there when they are all gone god and his love will outlast your life itself and so we can trust in that and so during during all times good and bad even in the wilderness or when we're at the top of the mountain god and his love is all we need because he is sufficient 
He is and his love is enough. And when we realize that, when we realize his love for us, our times in the wilderness can become times of praise and devotion. Because God and his love are better than life itself. Moms, this morning, ladies, everybody here, please know that God and his love for you are better than life itself. And even in the hardest times, he is there and he is enough and he loves you and he values you. Anybody need to hear that this morning? And God loves you and he values you. Let me challenge us as a church this morning. Spend time with God. Spend time with God. I've said this before. I've been saying it for a few weeks now because it's so true. It, it, this, this, when we think about tithing, you know, it's like, oh, I gotta give, I gotta give money. God can do more with ninety percent of your money than you can do with hundred percent of it. Think about your time. God can do more with ninety percent of your day than you can do with hundred percent of it. Put God where He needs to be. Spend time with God. Don't let that slip down the priority list. Spend time with God. Listen to Him. Read His Word. See His love. Look for His love. Feel it. Experience it. And your life will change. Your focus will change. Your perspective will change. And you will see that God and His love for you are more than enough. Amen, church? Let's pray.